outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less travelled into the heart of the Father's affection. Slinging freedom all over the place, this is the God By this time, this place for you, we're going to be home. But uh, we haven't left for home yet. We're getting ready to leave uh, tomorrow here from around Austin, Texas, and head back out to California. And I'm with Sarah today. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Welcome to the podcast again. Thank you. You keep doing these after saying you were done years ago. I know. I did say that. Yeah, but people are going to know what you think of the trip. We've been gone now five weeks, maybe longer. Yeah. Yeah. How are we doing? We still have our two dogs with us. So no that, small miracle, that one. So I think we're doing well. Abby, she's doing good. She's happy not walking. And <laughs> oh, she does walk, but she doesn't go on long walks with us. Yeah, they said that with her thing in her nostril that they think that's what it is. And that um, she shouldn't be walking, which she has not really appreciated walking the last year or so. And, um, but anyhow, the last few days, she's gotten a little bit bothersome by her nose, but she's hanging in there. Yeah, she thinks they have a tumor growing in there and uh, maybe getting into her brain a bit, but. But she keeps hanging in there every day, loves eating, (laughs) needs help getting up the steps in the RV. Yeah. But then she's doing pretty good. And Zoe. That was an emotional roller coaster for sure. Yeah, last week she was in the emergency vet. Um, her stomach had flipped over. I think we talked about that with Kyle, so people are aware of it. But uh, yeah, we thought we stayed a few extra days here, hoping to get her stitches out, but they are not ready to come out yet. And I'm glad, at least, that we could see the people who did the surgery in that way. They know the history and they could see and then they put her on some more antibiotics and we'll get her stitches out when we get home. It's <laughs> not what we were hoping for today. So we it's... hope to get the cone head off so she wouldn't have to always have the cone head on when we're not with her. But, yeah. but she's got permission to walk for a mile a day. Yes, she can get back out where she, li- she likes it, where uh, Abby does not so much. Yeah. So we've had a few hundred conversations since we left home. Uh-huh. How are you doing? This is Sarah, who uh, used to do a day of conversations and be uh, out of commission for three. Um, I'm doing oh, okay. I'm doing pretty good. I've had my moments where I have been worn out and tired, and there's been people that um, been good conversations, and then there was some comic relief. Maybe that's a good way to say it <laughs> at a good point in the trip. Yep. Three ladies from Mississippi. (laughs) Yes. It was hilarious. That's a sitcom that could be written. Uh, Just those three are just hilarious. It was a good, it was a good relief for me. Yeah, me too. It was fun to get, even though they had a bit of an emergency emergency medical situation themselves. I mean, they have an appendix out in the middle of Arkansas, driving over to be with us for the weekend, so... But that was fun, even being with them at the hospital. That was unexpected, to say the least. And wow. Yeah. We've talked a lot of trauma with people. Yeah. How's your trauma doing? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, that's what I do here. Yeah. 
um, come along. I've had some memories and dealing with some deeper stuff and that are more challenging and difficult to rewire, I guess, or at least I'm reckon I'm starting to recognize when I'm having problems. I guess that's a good step, but recognizing and then changing is two different things. I think recognizing is the first step to changing. Yeah. If you don't recognize what's going on, then you can't find a way to have that mind renewed. But it's it's been less dealing with new, deeper memories. You've had a little bit of that earlier in the trip, as yeah. it is kind of rethinking the way you cope with difficult or awkward circumstances in your life. Or even just living life. And uh, we talked the other morning about how I wake up in the morning what I think about versus what you wake up in the morning thinking about and how I just wake up and what needs to be done today and there is a foreign concept of enjoyment and what does enjoying life mean and uh, yeah for someone that's never had the freedom to think about what do I do today that I would enjoy you just think about what has to be done to get through the day yeah. And uh, it's been a long time in your life, sadly. I mean, there are things you enjoy, and you, you enjoy your dogs, enjoy your garden. You enjoy a good movie now and mm -hmm. then. Yep. You enjoy conversations with me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in thinking about your day, you kind of think, what do I have to do today? Work. And if I luck into some joy, that'll be kind of a deal, but. Or even trying to think about what I enjoy and trying to figure that out and put that into what would be fun to do. It's a foreign concept that doesn't always have in mind, I think it's the only word I can think of, options. So what's that mean? What's that look like? It's hard to explain. If someone can be able to, has a lot of things that they like to enjoy, and then sometimes when you ask too many questions within a day, and it's just like, okay, I'm tired. That's, I just want to just sit down. <laughs> it's just a lot of work. Enjoying life is a lot of work. Well, no, getting healthy is a lot of work. And you know, it's a journey, you know, and I, it's a mindset. Talking to the inner child is a lot of work. Parenting the inner child can be a lot of work. I'm not sure everybody listening to the podcast is going to know what you just talked about. I don't know how to explain it either. <laughs> so maybe you can. You know what I'm talking about. Well, there's a part of Sarah that got uh, stuck when she was four. And things got stuck in her brain. And... She's a very strong voice in your life, even today. She doesn't know how to enjoy. She hurts a lot. She feels like she's in trouble, even when she's not. And she looks for that. She looks for ways to be in trouble, I think. <laughs> and parent, and honestly, I've had this conversation with a lot of people lately that I've been helping encourage through some trauma things they're dealing with, which is interesting thing to think about parenting the child that got left behind. 
There wasn't one of the definitions we've heard on this trip about trauma is trauma isn't what happens to us. It's what we hold inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness, which was just no one there to hold your pain with you, to recognize it, to give you the capacity to handle it. So now we're getting to go back and do that. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing, not just for you. We been talking to a number of women and men who've had some trauma in their life, mostly women. We had some in the other afternoon and we got to see an annular eclipse in Texas from someone's backyard. And then people came over later and joined us for a, a conversation and it kind of moved toward trauma pretty quickly. Yeah. And just you sharing a little, people want to know your story a little bit. And uh, no one, no one there knew it except the couple that invited us. And they said, Sarah and Wayne have an interesting story to tell. So that got us into it. But immediately there were people resonating with it and people who and I've noticed this. There's there's obviously a lot of trauma in our world and yeah. we seem to add to it every day. What's going on in Israel and Gaza right now is adding to people's trauma by the bucket loads on both sides of that border. Uh, and it's always the power people that create the nightmares for the people who have no capacity or no voice to say what's going on, who, who've got to hate what's going on, but have no capacity to change the tune. And what I have admired about you is when you saw this trauma in your life and other elements of it, other veins of it, wherever it's run, or even coping mechanisms, you've, you've never once tried to stuff it down and walk around it. it Maybe tiring to deal with it. But uh, you may take a break for a few hours, but you deal with it. Every day you deal with the change in your life. And I, I, we meet a lot of other people who don't have your amnesty, they, uh, amnesty, amnesia, there you go, who don't have your amnesia, know something horrible happened to them, know it's there, haven't known how to deal with it. So the darkness just persists and they try to look away from it all the time. They're always... And then some triggering event will put them right back into it. And then they try and just push it back down and move on again. I, I think the encouragement you offer people is, hey, as dark as that is and as scary as that is to go down that hole, when you have the resources, when you have someone around you who could encourage you or you've read books that will help you understand what's going on in your mind, that hole isn't so scary. It is survivable and God can be there with you. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I guess part of it is, and I don't think of this like this, but, you know, it's never too late to try to be, to deal with it or face it or in order to become free. It, at the same time, if you're younger, I would just say, if at all possible, and it's in you, to deal with it. Because um, somebody who I'm working with is helping me, and she just says the partly why, I might not get this totally right, but I came away, partly why it feels like, or it is so not difficult, but just a lot of work to deal with all of these things the coping skills is what I'm talking about is that it's been there for so long. 
So why I'm saying that would be, if at all possible, to deal with it, deal with it sooner to where... Rather than later. <laughs> later. But I don't know if we have, I don't know how much the time is right and, and father works in that time frame in as dealing with it. I don't know how or we would have dealt with this years ago because the last eight years or 10 years, the knowledge of the scientific proof of everything has been so different and, and known. Um, and the knowledge of where trauma gets trapped in the brain and how to help it move from this emotional side of the brain to be processed in the cognitive side. So what, what didn't happen when the trauma happened can happen now, later in your life, and you can get free of it. And yeah, it is, it is uh, painful to deal with. And it's like you said, the coping skills are how you think without thinking. It's just how your body naturally reacts to whatever's going on around you, and and it and it and it's um, it's the instinct default. That's such a concept. To where I go without automatically, and then it's work to try and recognize it and think of that, and then even if I should say something or something i mean it's just like there's not i don't come up with other ways or things to do to disarm what i am feeling or thinking and i don't know if that makes sense. it does but we're learning right we're learning the yeah. first you're learning the reaction you you have it you go into a shell usually you go into a darker place yep. i kind of recognize it's going on i have to ask you 27 times before you finally say okay this is what's going on well, it's only that. about four times today four times today <laughs> and it happened on the same day which is great rather than happening the next day i know yeah but it's i think recognizing it is great because then you realize okay i'm on a path that's less healthy and the way you describe it is it's more your inner child reactions. It's more childish. It's more based simply on survival. I'm only trying to survive what's going on. And the, the press toward, I love the term that Kyle uses all the time, heartedness, how to live out of your whole heart. And that's a journey. It's a journey not to just take a coping mechanism that served you when you were under threat and that binds you, holds you captive when you're not under threat. And it makes things threatening that aren't threatening. So parenting your inner child. You know, I think of that poem that, that Dana sent, uh, gave to me. I read it on the podcast back a year or two ago, a year or so ago, about leaving your child on the shore, the inner child. And instead of, and, and I thought what was touching in the poem to me is to abandon that child to my past the same way everyone else abandoned her. And that that's the line that just kills me instead of, no, I invited her into the boat with me, and I held her, held me. Um, that's such a significant thing to think about. Okay, this inner child got damaged and abandoned, and then you've run from your coping mechanisms. Run from it, and she tries to remain hidden. And they're not a. It's not another person in Sarah. It's not multiple personality. It's a segment of her brain that holds the memory and the reactions to the trauma in her life. So. It's, it's, it's how I view life, how I view 
how I react to life, how I view relationships, how I think, and getting when I'm recognizing, okay, but then the issue is not having in my mind any words or ideas of how to stop turn it around or speak up and say something except that I'm at that point in time like today I'm like a parent and trying to talk to her but yeah that didn't always work well we've only been at it here a few months really how long does it take to raise a child? It takes 18 years, and even then you get a bit of it wrong. So I, I think it takes time for the renewing of the mind. I think Romans 12 talks about this process in a beautiful way, about not being conformed to the way of the world, which is, this is one of those ways of the world, the way it taught you to survive. And now in Jesus, there's a more wholehearted chance to, that's why recognizing is so important. Shorting, shortening the gap between recognizing and admitting, acknowledging, and then acknowledging, okay, what, what's the different way to live? And then how do you talk to that instinctual part of you so that it has a way to think differently, go down a different road than it's gone down, a different cattle trail? And it's just, and sometimes it's just not knowing that, um and where I'm, I'm feeling, you know, either stuck because I can't get past something that is, I'm, I'm, it's a safety issue and I have to, I get, I feel stuck in trying to deal with something that I feel like, oh, that's got to be taken care of. And I'll be hearing words and I, they aren't connecting. And I know there was words being said and, and, and then it's kind of like the mind and the words in the brain goes in slow motion. And now I understand. Nothing why, gets through. Why trauma needs a lot of solitude to heal. Because when you have other people around, even you, even grandkids, it can be anything, there's something else to have to feel you have to monitor and watch and when for me when i'm having to monitor or watch making sure that takes energy and then it's a distraction because then my mind becomes more focused on that than inside internally on myself or even on the present moment you you get stuck in something said yeah. or done here and then it just new stimulus doesn't come in for a while and so then then you try and just negotiate best you can on your own and you then you start keep making up stuff or you yeah or you get or i get okay then that's where the fear of going to be in trouble or someone's you know i'm going to disappoint someone or i'm going to do the wrong thing and then that makes it worse and it's just and then that snowballs and then you're yes. hard you're harder on you than anybody else around you yeah yeah. Part of that is I can't make a mistake, and if I make a mistake or I'm making a mistake, then the mistake grows and grows and grows and grows, and it's like bigger, 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 bigger. I mean, it's just like if, I don't know, we talked about this one thing. If I, I see one thing, and then 
I'm trying to think of an example. I can't think of an example. But anyhow, you know, I'm thinking of one thing. And then my mind goes, okay, well, that if happens, then this can happen, then that can happen, and then that can happen, and that can happen. And then it's just like I am way down the road of... On worst-case scenario. Yes, on all of them. Yeah, because you have to prepare. The threat part of you has to prepare for the worst possible thing that can happen. Yes. Which is a lot of wasted energy. A lot of wasted energy. Because how often does the worst possible scenario happen? But that's where... Okay. But Zoe, and I know it's just an odd freak thing, but we're at the hospital, and we're in the hospital, and you know they're telling us what could have happened to her, I mean, what she had, a flipped stomach. And I knew I'm not going to look up online because I would have her dead. But then we're there holding hands, and she, the vet is saying, you know, she goes into the hospital, into surgery, said that she's guaranteed that she's going to come out. There might be too much damage done, and they might have to put her under. And so that's where, you know, all the praying and then the thinking, the worst case scenario. And I was just like, oh gosh, you hear it, the worst case But I mean, she made it out of surgery. But we were talking and we were having to tell her goodbye because we didn't know. And so... Um, we didn't tell her goodbye. We told her to fight like crazy. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Until the Sarah still needs you. Come back to us. <laughs> so, I mean... And she did. She fought her way back. Yeah. And um, so then, I, I mean, growing up, there was a lot of medical issues with myself because of all the trauma. There was a lot of medical issues with my dad and his Parkinson's and... You know, there's mom had some issues there. So part of me is, okay, I've seen a lot of almost worst case scenarios, you know, and I can easily go down that, that road and trying to change that because I've, I've had a lot of medical issues. And so it doesn't make an excuse, you know. Or, yeah, how many more worries have you had than medical issues? Um, how many times have your worst case scenario, even when I had my heart surgery, you were already somewhat depressed before it, afraid I wouldn't come back, or maybe rooting for me not to come back? I don't know where no. we were in the other trauma thing at this point, but no, um, no I, I think that's that's an important bit because. Living present in the day, yeah, I'm, I'm aware in the hospital, Zoe might not be coming home with this. But I'm, I'm, and I can acknowledge the possibility without going there, because I'll deal with that when it's true. If she comes out and says, I'm sorry we had to put her down, then I'm going to grieve her. Then I'm going to take that on. I'm not going to take it on when I'm still rooting for it to make it. I think part of the whole threat mechanism is I've got to prepare for the worst. I won't be caught off guard instead of, no, when I... If the worst comes about, Jesus will be there for me, and I'm going to grieve her. I'm going to do what I have to and move on. That's the reality of it, and it's hard. I used to do. I used to be a worst case scenario kind of guy, and uh, not not to the depth that you do, but just oh my gosh, this could really and and fret about it and and being anxious. And now living more present in okay, this is what we've got to deal with now, and. You can't control all the circumstances. Whatever washes up on your beach, that talk, it's, 
you can't. It's always got an issue. We've got to take care of it. Or you've got a trauma thing or even coming home when you were gone. Okay, this is on my plate. This is what I've got to deal with today. But I'm not going to worry about it months in advance because it just saps your energy. It just doesn't let you. And I think I learned that largely because most of my worst case scenarios never happen. So I'm going, I'm wasting an awful lot of energy and sleepless nights about things that never happen. But easier to say than learn to live inside that. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, just the last few weeks, there's been a couple of things. I mean, that with Zoe, because I just like, I, I remember the point where we were sitting there and they took her back for the x-rays and she didn't come out as fast as Abby. And they were going in, trying to get the doctor to come in. And I said to you, I think, I said, something's not quite right. Yep. And I just like, at that point, man, my whole alarm alert was <laughs> went off the chart. And I mean, I'm, I tried, you know, you were there. But then, you know, there was a night when we were in Waco. They had, thank goodness, at least the tornado warnings was an hour away in, in Dallas area. And, but, and we had that horrible. Oh, I, we had probably warnings where we were. It was a violent storm in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I, I mean, that was just, that was a exhausting night. I could see that. <laughs> I've never seen you. I mean, you, you must have really held stuff down times past. Cause I've seen you in thunderstorms and lightning storms. I know you didn't enjoy it, but. That was hard to see you every time lightning went off or thunder. You just flailed yeah. in terror. Yeah. And so obviously these are things that Jesus wants to, the reason we're in all of this is so that this can diminish and the greater freedom to live in the enjoyment of who God's made you, knowing that I will have what I need when whatever comes to pass, comes to pass. So I don't need to guess at all and try and figure out mentally how I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll have what I need when I get there. And I can learn to enjoy. And I I'll go back to that because you talked about, you know, you wake up with the day thinking of all you have to do. And you almost go to bed every night thinking about everything got screwed up today. Right? Yep. Any word that hit you wrong, anything you may have not done quite right or not right the first time, which... And I do that 50 times a day. I'm, I'm never worried about perfection, not you or me. I tend to wake up ready to enjoy. I look ahead. What, what am I going to enjoy today? I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to have that walk. I'm going to. I, I, and I'm aware there'll be difficult things in my day, too. But I, I look forward to what I enjoy and what I'm going to eat at noon, my favorite hour of the day. And if we're going with some people, what, what, what might happen or what I'm going to read today. And then I go to bed, um, I scan back over my day, just where was Jesus today? And I sort of blog on that a couple weeks ago. Where's Jesus today? Where, where was he in my day? Where did I see him walking with me? What insight did he give? And, and I go to bed more grateful. And I used to, what's different for me, I didn't kind of have the trauma stuff that you've had, obviously, but I had the whole religious baggage thing where every night, because if you have an unconfessed sin between you and Jesus and he comes again while you're sleeping, you're left, which I don't believe any of that stuff now did then. So every day you're going, okay, I screwed that up and I did that wrong and I had that attitude and, you know, got to go through and forgive it all. Or, you know, Jesus is not just the whole anxiety of that, which I've not had for 
since learning to live love, that's changed. I go away, I go to bed at night, my head on a pillow going, thanks for this. This was a fun day. That was fun. No, that wasn't being in the hospital. It was not fun, but we got our dog back and finding those enjoying things about the day when it starts and when it ends. And yeah, we're going to learn that, aren't we? Yes. I think that'd be great for you. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's just, it's a, a foreign concept of, of enjoyment. Um, or learn, knowing how to have fun. I guess I can a little bit, but you know, I, I like things. I mean, and it's just, it's just more concentrating on that and working on it myself. And it's a journey. Someone just told me it's a process and just, it's a journey and something that you just enjoy, enjoy the process. And that's hard. We want to get to the product. Everybody does. I, I, I love when this is finished. But to me, when you're recognizing it and acknowledging it, those, those are two major steps down the road. And then the third thing will be seeing other options and then taking those other options. Because she said it, it's not like you have a destination that you have to get to and have to do all this stuff to get there. It's not like a destination. Right. It's, it's uh, a process. It's a journey. And it's not a race. Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's a, a race. But then some, I, I do see that the more I recognize and of what my body's feeling and doing and i know i used to feel that but i would stuff it down and then just ignore it and go on which makes me think how did i ever do that but the more i see that then sometimes the more i think oh i feel like i'm i'm worse and more a mess but then no it's just that i'm i'm more aware of of stuff but, which is which is great, but I get it. I get it. Oh my gosh! I this and then this and then this. Well, because it's all day long. Sometimes. Because mostly it would just begin to shape your inner life without you ever acknowledging it coming through. So it feel like less a mess externally, but struggling. The other thing you talk about is being trapped, feeling trapped. Yeah. You felt trapped on this trip. Um, a couple of times. Yeah, a I know few, you have. A few, yeah. A what does that times. feel like for you? Um. Powerless helpless, stuck, out of control, and sometimes a, manipulated or, or being bullied. Did that happen on this trip? Being bullied? Not that. Um, uh -oh. in one place. <laughs> Must have done. <laughs> no, no. I mean, okay, great. It was, it's something else. It, I mean, just, I guess maybe felt like I'm up on there that they, you know, I, I was being pushed, maybe a better way. I was being pushed into something that like, no, I don't want to do that. And it wasn't me. No. Just to be clear. No, it wasn't me. But you feel like trapped in a conversation or yes. somebody wants your phone number. You may not want to give it to. And so. and I, I, I would think, well, I, have, I, I mean, I don't have an option. Somebody wants your phone number you or ask you for something. You answer the question and you give them your number and you do whatever they want you to do or ask you. But then you regret it later. Yes. 
And Trapped is very, I don't know if you want to share the story as to why Trapped is a thing for you. But there was a moment in a dark basement room where your grandpa and your cousin locked you in there in pitch black darkness. Yeah. And so they were, ne they, if you ever told what was going on, they would lock you in there and never let you out. Yeah. And you never thought you were getting out. No. The emotional reaction was, this is how I die. This is, and what a horrible feeling for a little girl. And so other things evoke that same response, other ways that you might feel trapped by something. And we're looking for ways for Sarah not to ever feel trapped again. Or if she does, she's got the resource of Jesus in it. She's not alone. And then when, when I get to that feeling, it's like, no, I have the power to make a choice of what I want to do. I'm an adult. And that's, that's where... It's sometimes hard. It's over the the child mind feeling is overwhelming that sometimes it's hard to let that go. Yeah. See if this helps you. This is one of my favorite uh, correspondents to the God Journey, Mike. And he said he listened to the October 13th podcast and reminded of some things God had shown him. He said, I don't remember what initiated the idea of God asking me to walk through my days focusing on how he, God, was safe. But the conversation occurred. It was pretty powerful. To walk through my days trying to acknowledge that God was safe at the forefront of my thoughts, especially at work, which surprised me. I don't know how anyone can work where I work with fear at the forefront of their mind. I've been kicked, shoved, elbowed, spit upon, which I never realized how ugly that could be, head banged, poked, slapped, and bitten. The only time I was sent to the ER for an injury was from a four-year-old autistic boy. Never underestimate the pounds of pressure per square inch of a four-year-old jaw at the base of your neck. Ha ha. And so on it goes. We go through seasons at work where multiple folks are getting sent to our ER for injuries. I'm not a small person, so I often am matched with the most aggressive patients, and it makes sense. One time we had two psychotic boys on the unit who had black belts in martial arts, ha, ha, ha. And one came after me for which the only explanation that I did not get wrecked is God. I say all of this to point out how all the ways I can feel unsafe have become more present to me, including emotional safety. It's a lot of work though, but there is a felt kindness with it and a realization of how much I do not trust God as safe in my life, even though every cell in me screams, I know he is. It's an odd tension. I definitely push fear down so far as to be unrecognizable to the choices I make in life, sigh. So your thoughts of safety on God were a big wink and a reminder. I've already quit thinking about being asked of you God and his creation is safe. I remember the day I was in therapy and the guy said, Mike, you're not abused, you were tortured. It was like big chunks of understanding slid into place because the idea in term of abuse never seemed to make sense so that I could own it when I heard others describe it. At the risk of sounding overdramatic, I would replace the word fear with terror, which is from his childhood. A lot of trauma there. Anyway, the takeaway for me is being reminded and asked to learn God is safe. And it can be beautiful to have scattered memories of how he has communicated this to me, even when I was created, even when I have created an inner sense of how real terror walks through my inner soul more than I want. Thanks for the wink. I love about that email. I mean, this guy's obviously in incredibly dangerous, threatening modality all day. These are not perceived threats. He actually lives in that environment. Yeah. 
And he's a great guy. He, he's just the, the way he's able to love and navigate that space as someone who has known deep trauma in his own life. And for him to go on this kind of treasure hunt during the day, which I'm going to look for ways that God is safe, that God shows I'm safe to him, in him, through my day. It's kind of what we're talking about, about enjoyment or not feeling trapped or some of the other things that it's it's a great exercise to begin to, instead of, how am I threatened today? How is God making me safe today? Thoughts about that? How'd that hit you? I would love that space to be able to do that and be able to live in that. Now, how does it sound for Mike? I mean, to have somebody in that situation be able to go, God's teaching me this. Does that encourage you to know that you don't have quite the same circumstance situations, but the threat is just as big. That's yeah. what you live under. Yeah. I know that I can trust him and he's been, I mean, looking back over the last year, what has it been, a year and a half, I don't know, something like that. I've seen and knowing the pain, knowing the realization, what it was all has come out. I know he's in the process and so he's with me and he's patient and he's, he is pleased with the progress. Yep. But it's just the, the, I wasn't anticipating all the concentration that would be needed in order to think of new pathways and new ways to to walk but i know that and obviously i wish that you know i didn't have to go through all that and you know all the trauma was revealed and everything and then oh i'm all good and healed and everything and i'm living wholehearted healthy and everything i mean it, it was coming it comes continually it comes somewhat as a shock sometimes when some of these new things is oh well that's not healthy and it's just like, and then it's just like, oh, there's another one. And, but yet I just like, okay, I, I have a chance for it to find another one, to be able to be over, overcome this. That's where the person was saying the other day that, you know, it's just, it's, I have decades of living this. And it doesn't go away easily. So, or quickly, that's where. For those who can, I would pray that they would be able to face it, look at it, and learn new ways at a younger age. But but um, even now, even you, now, I mean, it's you it's, don't regret going down this road. No, because I've asked you. You'd rather just have maintained the amnesia and gotten by to the end of your days, and you said no. No, because the pain was, it was, I was getting triggered and, and the pain was too intense. There's just no, there's no way. I, I, I would imagine if I didn't, um, if I hadn't, or even if I hadn't left you, I mean, I, the pain would have increased and it would have been too hard. And I, I would imagine at some point, five years, whatever, I would have killed myself. And I'm glad that didn't happen. But are you, are you content with your progress today? When, I mean, you'd like to be further down the road. Who when would, I but, can get in my mind 
and see how Father and Jesus looks at me, yes. But then sometimes from my state, it's just, and it's more just, here we go again, I got another thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear that, but I also think wholeheartedness in some areas, you're living more wholeheartedly over here, is going to expose over here where I'm not. Yeah. So even seeing those things, even the fact that more of them come out of the woodwork, it's not like they're new. It's just you seeing them as new. Yeah. And I mean, I, well, when we were at this one time, I, something was happening and I was starting to get into uh, a panic attack. And then I would know I was learning how to, you know, just take, learn how to take deep breaths because you can't really be relaxed if you're taking shallow breaths. And so you need to have deep breaths. And so I started to do that. And there's kind of like a point in time when you get a panic attack that you have a, there, it's not like a choice or there's a, it's like a little bit of a threshold where you, you give way to that. You can in full mode, a panic attack where if you can, you can kind of work or talk your way out. And I was able to work and talk my way back out of that by breathing it took a while and then calming down so but you haven't done that before no so that's again progress i i think the progress is astounding we all wish it were faster you and i yeah but what you're seeing is amazing that there's so many of these little things now visible is a huge plus for the light growing in your heart and you are living more wholeheartedly now than you ever have even though you still see the work that's still being done it, it's beautiful process i think it's getting to the core of your heart the core messages you tell yourself uh how negative they can be and how more god-centered they can be and it it was encouraging i mean it's been encouraging at different times where we've talked with other people and where sharing certain things and they just understand and know and most of them been women and i'm not enjoying that the fact that somebody else is in pain but it's just that somebody else is out there and understands and i'm not the only one that having to work like this that's always a great encouragement to know that like even paul said whatever comes our way it's common to humanity we're not the grand exception to anything Oh. The pains we have are the pains that other people have as well. Well, we pack up this big baby tomorrow, Lord willing, everything works, and we can head off for northern Texas and then out across I-40 and home. So you excited to think about getting home? Yeah. Getting it's home. time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. The uh, RV has been a little bit helpful to keep Zoe contained as far as activity. Yep. And so that's what she's needed. And, and we'll we, contain her some more going home. Yeah, we got that. another week before we get the stitches out, hopefully. And but. some more work's been done on the house while we're gone. So we're kind of excited to see what that looks like. Yep. And man, get some hugs from kids and grandkids back home. And we have two dogs to take to them. And we're bringing two dogs home because, yes. boy, we got really threatened with that. Yes. I don't think they'd ever let us RV again if we didn't bring their two, two dogs home that they both love dearly. So. Yeah. Alrighty, thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Thank you for traveling with us today on The God Journey. 
You can join this conversation by visiting thegodjourney.com. 